Hello, and welcome to Dream City Omaha. My name is David, and I want to thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time, please let us know by sending us a message online or by filling out a Connect card in person. Now sit tight, the service is about to begin. Hey, this morning, I just want you to know how much I love you. This morning, Pastor John is over at LifeGate preaching. We're tag teaming this whole thing. They have a Saturday night service, though, so I got to go and be with him last night. And can I just say, there's no place like home. They do everything with excellence over at LifeGate. We love them. They're amazing people, but there is no place like home. I love seeing you. I love your beautiful faces. I love Dream City Omaha. If you are new today, if it's your first time, if you're joining us online, maybe a friend sent you this link. My name is Pastor Angel, same person as last week, just straight hair. You haven't lost your mind. But I just want to welcome you, and I want to honor what Pastor, or, or echo really what Pastor Andre was saying just about our vets and those who have given up their life for our freedoms. The Bible says in, in John chapter 15 that there's no greater love than him who will lay down his life for his friends. And so I really, I want you to put your hands together and honor all of those who have given their lives. We're never more like Jesus than when we are dying for someone else. This morning, we're going to continue in our reintegrate series. Somebody say reintegrate. We've been talking about this, this process, this idea of becoming whole. I know you're probably sick of me. Pastor John's going to be back next week. He's going to tie it all up, and I know you'll be happy for it. But this week, we're going to be talking, uh, continuing in this. Last week, we talked about the body, right? And I gave you some very basic principles on how to manage your body. How many of you remember any of those? How many of you remember what was on my t-shirt? You guys are killing me right now. This is job security, because you're like, I have no idea what you said, but I know your t-shirt was Def Leppard. Just like a little fun fact here, I cannot tell you a single song that they sing, so I'm not as cool. Somebody texted me afterwards like, you are so cool. I'm like, I don't know any of their songs. I actually had to ask John, is this okay? Can I wear this to church? So. Pay attention this week. You're going to need your notes. You might have to watch this message twice, but the great news is, is we stream everything, so you're going to be able to do that. But last week we talked about, number one, paying attention to your body, right? You are in a relationship with your body. Your body is trying to communicate with you all of the time, and you need to pay attention to what it's saying. Pay attention to those emotional and physical messages that it's trying to communicate. Number two, we talked about the fact that you need to treat your body like a temple not an idol. Your body matters to God, but your body is not God. Your body does not dictate or govern everything that you should or should not do. Just because your body wants it doesn't mean that your body needs to have it. You need to treat your body like a temple. You need to take care of it, but you don't have to obey every one of its desires. And then I told you last but not least, listen, 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 shoot for healthy, not normal. Okay, normal is a comparative standard, and it's based on who am I comparing myself to. You were created for one standard. It's his. That standard is the only standard that brings life and brings health. Listen, pay attention to that standard. Shoot for healthy. At no time in this series will I tell you that we're aiming for, for a size or a number or a weight or a color or a class or a personality profile. It's not about being normal. It's about managing what God has trusted you with. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about the soul. We're going to talk about how do I effectively and in a healthy way manage 
my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. As we talk about this, you need to know you're responsible for all of that. Okay, your thoughts generate feelings. Those feelings influence your choices. And you have to learn how to manage all of that. I'm going to give you some super practical biblical principles on how to do that. Sound good? All right, let's pray first. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We are a hot mess express today, and we just pour out ourselves for you. God, I just pray that you would give us ears to hear your word and hearts that are transformed by the truth that it brings. We love you. We honor you. We worship you because you alone are worthy. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so before I give you these principles, a couple things you need to know about yourself. Are you ready? Are you sure? Okay, number one, first thing you need to know about you is your brain and your mind are not the same thing. When I use the word mind, it's, it's, it's interchangeable with soul, okay? So soul, mind, thoughts, all of those, that's your soul, okay? Your brain and your mind are not the same thing. Your brain is the organ, the physical organ that your, your mind is filtered through, okay? Think of it like your, your, your brain is the, the car, your mind is the gas, okay? Or for my tech-savvy friends, your brain is the iPhone, your mind is the iCloud, okay? So it's, it's that, that vessel, that vehicle, but they are different. The second thing you need to know about yourself is you are a thinking being. You are thinking all the time, all day long. In fact, you have tens of thousands of thoughts every single day. And about every 10 seconds or six times a minute, you have these bursts of consciousness where you're aware of those thoughts and you're able, not only are you able, but you're responsible for regulating every single one of those thoughts. Here's the good news. You were created for that. You know how I know that? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul tells the church, listen, you need to take every thought captive and teach all of them to obey Christ. Not your Sunday morning thoughts because I'm going to church and I don't want the building to burn down when I walk in. Not your good thoughts, not your happy thoughts, not some of your thoughts, not the thoughts that you've, every thought, every thought you need to teach to obey Christ. You can do that. You were created for that. And the last thing that you need to know about you, about your soul, about your mind, is that there are different dimensions of your mind. I had our media guy put, to, put an illustration together just to explain this to you. Pictures, they work well for us, right? That's why we start out with picture books. So listen, let me, let me explain to you real quick just these different dimensions of your soul. These leaves and these branches up here, this represents your conscious mind, okay? Your conscious mind is only online when you're awake. Okay, it's the stuff that you are currently presently in this moment aware of those thoughts that you're aware of those feelings that you're aware of both physically and emotionally that is your conscious mind. Okay, the trunk right here represents your subconscious mind. Okay, your subconscious mind is is those just below the surface just barely aware it's it's what is triggered when you have those experiences and it's trying to push something to your awareness, to your consciousness, okay? And then this entangled mess down here is the largest part of your soul, okay? This is your non-conscious mind. This is where all of your memories are stored. This is the most unfiltered and, like I said, entangled part of you. This is the part of you that you cannot fake. This is a part of you that is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is constantly trying to bring 
things to your consciousness so that you can deal with it. As a concept, and even as a picture of a tree, this is a little bit difficult to understand. So I want to I want to share a story with you um, to kind of make sense of this. We have a, a beautiful young woman in the church. She's in her late twenties. She recently shared her testimony at our at our women's brunch and. Her testimony really encapsulates this so well that I asked her if I could share some of her story with you today, and she said yes. Her name is Cindy, and she has an amazing husband. They have two beautiful girls. They both love God and serve on the worship team. And about a year and a half ago, Cindy started to experience some some pretty intense anxiety. And particularly, um, she, she was having some some questions about her past um, with regards to some suspected abuse in her childhood. And, and so this anxiety all culminated one night when out of nowhere she began to have violent seizures. Now at the time, they had no idea what was going on, no idea what was causing this. Obviously, they're freaked out. They go to the hospital. She's actually admitted, spends several days in the hospital, heavily medicated, seizing on and off the entire time. The doctors are running all the tests that they know to run. At one point during her stay, she has a flashback, and it's this this, this memory of her childhood home. And as she is kind of exploring this memory, she begins to feel very scared again, and she can physically feel her body tensing up again. What was happening, church? There was a memory from her non-conscious that was trying to be pushed to the surface, to her conscious awareness. So she starts to, to feel afraid again, and she can feel her body tensing up, beginning to seize. They end up running all the tests they know to run and tell her, listen, there's nothing physically wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your brain. In fact, what we believe is happening is you're having what's known as pseudo-seizures. Pseudo-seizures happen in response to severe trauma. Now remember, we learned last week, our body sends us messages, right? So this is obviously a very extreme case. But the doctors told her, these are pseudo-seizures. Our recommendation, our treatment plan that we would recommend you having, taking the course of action for is to get some counseling and figure out what is the root of, of this violent physical response. So they discharge her about a week later, she's in my office. And I told her what I have told people for for the longest time. I believe that when the Lord brings a memory to your conscious mind, no matter how painful it is, you're ready to deal with it. And if you will partner with the Holy Spirit, who is the great counselor and mighty comforter, there's pain or there's freedom and there's healing on the other side of that pain. And so she came in and we prayed and we just asked the Lord, would you just be, Lord, would you reveal to her what is causing this violent physical response? And so once again, the Lord brought this memory to her consciousness, this memory of her childhood home. And so I had her close her eyes and I just said, okay, I want you to, I want you to describe everything to me that you're seeing. Everything, what are you feeling? What do you hear? What's going on around you? Describe to me the house. Tell me what's going on. And so as she started doing that, she, she was led to this room in the house and she started to feel afraid again. And so we stopped and we prayed and just asked the Holy Spirit to lead her. And so then the Holy Spirit led her through this room to reveal that she had in fact been sexually abused by an uncle who was mentally ill. 
Here's the crazy part of that story, though, church, and this is where God gets the glory. Because the moment that that truth was revealed, that conscious memory was revealed, she didn't start seizing again. She wasn't overwhelmed with fear. In fact, if you ask her today, she will tell you that she immediately felt free, both emotionally and physically. That memory, that that trauma was buried in her non-conscious. And for months, her subconscious was trying to bring that to the surface, sending both emotional and physical signs, sending that communication. And when she finally allowed it to be brought to the light, she could decide how to move forward. And here's the deal, church. We cannot change our past any more than we can control our future but we can absolutely decide, choose how those things will continue to affect us. So I just want to give you some basic biblical principles on how to do this. Sound good? You guys ready? You got your notes out? Yes. Okay. If you don't, you're going to be watching it again. Don't say I didn't warn you. All right. Tip number one, take time to think. Take time to think. Listen. We are so ridiculously overstimulated. I believe that one of the greatest contributing factors to our poor mental health is the fact that we are so overstimulated. We don't take time to process through one thing until we're our, before we're on to the next. It's like when my kids try to pick a Netflix movie and it's like going on. I'm like, you're giving me a seizure. Slow down. How can you even see what that says? That's what we're doing to our brains all day long. We have to stop. We have to slow down. This has decreased our attention span. It's decreased our, our ability to focus. The emergence of TikTok is proof positive of that. If you can't make me laugh or wow me in 30 seconds, next, next, let's take a look at what the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. What does that mean? It means to be alert. Preparing your minds for actions and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, how do you prepare your mind to act? How do you stay alert? You think. You were created for deep, intentional, focused thinking. All scientific research points to the fact that you were created for this. And as you do this, it's good for your brain. It's healthy for your brain. But we are so inundated we're so overstimulated by our smartphones and our social media apps and our gaming and our streaming. And I'm not villainizing these things when they are put in their rightful place, which is as slaves, not masters. When these things work for you, not against you, hey, enjoy them. But when we're using them to distract us from our thoughts, because it's a little scary in there, Pastor Angel. That is unhealthy at best and dangerous at worst. I have someone who literally told me one time, Angel, I don't want to be alone with my thoughts, so I watch Netflix when I drive. Listen to me. Normally, I'm all like, I love you. I'm for you. I'm not throwing shade. This is me throwing all the shade. If that is you, that is dangerous. That's not only dangerous for you, but that's dangerous for everyone around you. Stop. Take time to think. Turn off the radio on your commute to work in the morning or on your way home. Listen, Tuesdays, I do nine to 10 hours back to back of counseling. I don't call anyone. I don't turn on the radio. I have to process what I've just been through all day before I get home. Otherwise, I'm of no use to anyone. 
Thought map. How many of you, like, when you drive in the car, you play um, road games? Like, long trips, you play road games, license plate game, I'm thinking of game. We play the thought mapping game in my family. Okay, do you want to learn how to play it? Yeah? Okay, good. You're going to no matter what. Listen, so in my family, here's what we do. From the time that my children were little, when they say something that's random, and this is because it's how my brain works, I'm like, map that backwards for me. How did you get there? And, and they, they will. Well, I thought of this, which made me think of this, which made me think which made, like, nice thought mapping. Even John, he'll say something, and then he'll, he'll already automatically tell me. Well, I thought of this. I saw that. made me think of it. I'm like, nice thought mapping, baby. But we play this game when we travel. And here's what we'll do. I'll give the kids a topic or, or a description. Um, scary woods or shark attack. And then I turn on my phone, and they have 30 seconds to just think. Really, it's just how I trick them into being quiet. So they have 30 seconds to think. When the timer goes off, they have to stop, and everyone has to say the last thought that came to their mind. But then they have to map it backwards. So if we started at scary woods, well, I went to this, which made me go in this, which made Listen, what am I doing? I'm teaching them how to think. This is invaluable to you. If you learn how to think, you can control your thoughts. You can regulate your thoughts. Everything starts with a thought. So take time, slow down, pay attention to your thoughts. Well, Angel, if I do that, how am I going to get away from those thoughts I don't like? You're not. Because you're not supposed to get away from them. Tip number two says that you're supposed to process through them, not push them down. You have to process through those thoughts. In Ephesians chapter 5, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, this is what the Bible says. It says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. You're like, yeah, I know, that's what I'm afraid of. No, this is so good because there's good news. Look at it. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Those things that the enemy is trying to, to use and dangle in the darkness to keep you there, if you expose them to the light, they lose their hold on you. That's powerful. I tell people all the time, anything you bring into the light no longer has a hold on you. But as long as we allow that stuff to grow in darkness, we are held captive to it. Everything that you bring into the light becomes a light. It's the same story for Cindy. That story can be your story. You don't have to be afraid of your past. Listen, your life's a reality of that no matter what. Do you want to make it work for you or do you want to continue to be enslaved to it? You get to choose. But choose you must. You have to process through even the uncomfortable things in your life. Ignoring thoughts and feelings will never make them go away. It only makes them stronger. Denial is a defense mechanism. And listen, it provides short-term relief. I'll admit to that. But ultimately, the cost is detrimental to you, to your relationships, because everyone has a breaking point, and you'll all reach the end of it. Fellas, can I talk to you for a minute? Because this particularly applies to you. Angel, that's sexist. Well, cancel me if you want to. But the reality of it is, listen, men are three to four times more likely to commit suicide. The largest demographic of suicide fatalities is middle-aged white men. Men are three times more likely to be dependent upon alcohol. They're four times more likely to use drugs frequently. Listen, when they did these studies and they compared and contrasted, the biggest contrast, the biggest difference between men and women had nothing to do with socioeconomic, nothing to do with the, the way that they were brought up, their circumstances, life stress, job, none of that. The biggest difference was men are less likely to seek help. Can I just give you a, a plug, a shameless plug this morning? Do you want to know who the most 
by far emotionally expressive character in all of scripture is? I'll give you a clue, it wasn't a woman. It was David, King David, mighty David, killer of thousands, ten thousands, mighty warrior David. David was constantly penning and documenting the inner turmoils of his soul. You have to process through this thing. Men are 70% less likely to talk about any type of emotion. You're all nodding your heads like, yep, uh uh-huh, I already know that. And you know what? The only emotion that they're comfortable with expressing is anger because that's the one that's been communicated. This is socially acceptable for a man. And anger, you know what anger is? Anger is a secondary emotion. You know what that means? It's a byproduct of all the stuff you're not dealing with. And it usually spills out onto the people that you love the most. If this is you this morning, listen, let me tell you, this is without a doubt affecting your relationships. It's affecting your income. People with higher IQ make on average three to 5,000 more per point that their emotional intelligence goes up. So it's affecting your relationships, it's affecting your family, it's affecting your coworkers, it's affecting your witness for Jesus. And if you want to grow in this area, listen, register for emotional intelligence starts this week, Wednesdays at 7, it's free. Everything we do is to serve you, to equip you. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't stay stuck. Learn how to process through. Stop pushing down. It doesn't make them go away. It's affecting you physically, emotionally, relationally. We were at a staff lunch a couple weeks ago, and John has a picture on his debit card. You know how you can, like, personalize your debit card? So it's this super old picture of me and, and the younger two boys. There's, like, a pregnancy photo shoot. Um, but, but somehow this generated this conversation about just how much people change. And so John leans over, and he's like, baby, what's your favorite decade of me? Without a doubt, this one. He said, really? He said, why? I said, because now you're attractive on every level. Listen, John's always been pleasing to the eye, but the healthier he gets, the more whole that he gets, the more I'm attracted to every part of him. We have to take this seriously. We have to manage our souls. So as I'm taking time to think, as I'm processing through what comes up when I do, I also want to be aware or pay attention to patterns. Somebody say pay attention to patterns. Pay attention to patterns. Listen, where there's patterns, there's power. Okay, think of a retaining wall. The the higher that wall is, the longer it goes, it's stronger, right? Patterns represent power because they've gone on for a longer amount of time. The Bible is full of patterns. Listen, all you have to do is look at the Old Testament, read an account of the kings. Every time a new king came to power, go through, read First and Second Kings. So-and-so came to power at such and such a time. He did evil in the Lord's sight. So-and-so came to power at such and such a time. He did evil in the Lord's sight over and over and over. A few of them did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. But what is that? That's a pattern. Where patterns are, there is power. There is strength because those things are repeated. They're reinforced. In Jeremiah chapter 6, Jeremiah gives a warning. This is what he says. He says, this is what the Lord says to you. Stop. Stop, church. Stop at the crossroads of your life and look around. Ask for that old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path. You will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not what I want to do. I'm going to keep doing the same thing that I've been doing my entire life, that my grandpa did, that my grandma did, and then I'm going to expect different results. Listen, stop. This is a warning. God's always sending us warnings. Stop. Pay attention to what you're doing. 
Do you want to repeat this pattern in your life, in your children's life, in your grandchildren's life? Is this what you want your legacy to look like? Stop. I'm begging you. Look for that old godly way. Walk in it. You will find rest for your souls. He warns us. He says, look for these patterns, patterns of thinking. Are you chronically anxious? Are you chronically angry? Patterns of feeling. Do do you always assume that somebody's talking about you or out to get you? Do you assume that about other people? Your, Your behaviors. Stop and evaluate these patterns in your life because patterns represent power. As you're evaluating these patterns in your life, I do want to tell you something. I do, I do want to caution you, rather, to be wise with labels, okay? Let me explain that to you for a minute. I want you to be wise with labels if you're writing that down. As we're evaluating these patterns in our life, listen, <laughs> this can be a little overwhelming, okay? Some of you are like, I'm going to need a therapist, a professional, somebody to help this out. So you're going to be sharing, maybe, maybe it is with a professional, maybe it's just with a friend. But as we start sharing these things, here's what's going to happen is there's going to be some well-intentioned and usually some highly trained people that are going to recognize these patterns in your life and they're going to um, want to put them in a box and that box has a particular label on it. And these labels will range from anything to mental illnesses, social stigmas, personality profiles, you name it, Enneagram numbers. Labels are not bad. We don't have to be afraid of labels. Labels can make us feel seen. They can make us feel heard. They can make us feel validated. But labels provide a language, not an identity. You need to hear that today. Labels provide a language, not an identity. I'm not big on personality profiles, anything like that, but I love Gallup Strength Finder. I love it. Number one, there's 50 years of scientific research, but number two, every person is different, and it doesn't put you in this box. And listen, for, for our team and even in my own marriage, that language has helped John and I put a, a communication to, to how differently we think. It's improved our communication because I'm like, oh, you're not trying to crush my dreams. You just naturally see all of the obstacles. Okay, I get it now. I get it. Okay, so, so labels, we don't have to be afraid of them, but don't allow them to fashion and form your identity. Your identity was fashioned and formed by one. It's the one who created you. And if you're looking for anything to stamp your identity too, it should be the word of God but they can provide a language. So, so, so again, pay attention to these patterns. Oftentimes these patterns are the indicators for those things that are trying to hijack our souls. They matter. We need to pay attention to them. But here's the crazy thing. Do you know that every pattern began with one thought? It, it began with one thought that we simply meditated upon. We ruminated, we obsessed over, we thought on that thought over and over and over and over again. That one thought is why we have to, tip number four, be mindful of your meditations. In, in Psalm chapter 19, the Bible says this. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. I've said this before. I've probably said it a hundred times. The words of your mouth will always reflect the meditations of your heart. Those things come out, I don't know where that came from. It came because you were meditating upon that. You were rehearsing that thought. You were rehearsing whatever, whatever that theme was over and over and over and over and over again. 
The reason there's power in patterns, it's because it's what you're meditating on. Whatever you think about the most will grow. Not just like theoretically, physically. Every thought that you have actually builds physical substance into your brain. Okay, And those thoughts change the chemicals of your brain. This is great for good thoughts. This is not so great for toxic, unhealthy thoughts, okay? Your brain responds to every thought that you have. We all hear of like, oh, we have a, there's, a, there's a chemical imbalance. Are chemical imbalances real, Angel? Yes, absolutely. You know what causes them? Your thoughts. Every thought that you have is changing the chemicals of your brain. This is, is so strong, it's linked to your mood, your motivation, your appetite, your sleep patterns, your sex drive, the way that you metabolize food. Listen, if you eat comfort eating, we've heard that, if you eat when you're stressed, you actually inhibit your body's ability to release the enzymes necessary for breaking that food down. That's how much your thoughts affect your body. So this affects everything. So if you want to be change those things, you have to be mindful of the things that you're meditating upon. It, it even affects your immune system. They've coined this term, psychoneuroimmunology. That's fun to say, right? Say that five times fast. What is psychoneuroimmunology? Psycho is your mind, neuro is your brain, immu your immune system. Okay? So literally, the things that you thought think affect your brain, which affects your immune system. Anxious people get sick more often. That's, it's just a scientific fact. You have to be mindful. You have to be taking these thoughts captive. There is a rubric for your thoughts. If you're going to obsess over a thought, can I give you the evaluation or the rubric for what those thoughts should be? It's in your training manual, Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at this. Here's what Paul says. He says, listen, fix your thoughts. Meditate upon. Ruminate upon. Obsess over what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Do you know what it means to be worthy of praise? That's the stuff you thank God for. Can you find things to thank God for? Yes, you can all the time. There's breath in your lungs. You're sitting in this room. You have something to thank God for. But this is the rubric for evaluating our thoughts. If we were to put every thought through this filter... It would change your life. Listen, just start right here. Fix your thoughts on number one, what is true? <laughs> what is true? Is what I'm thinking true? That would eliminate 50% of the toxic thoughts you're thinking right now. Is it true? Well, what is true? Truth is not subjective. Truth is definite. Truth is God's word. Is this thought true? Does it line up with the word of God and the character of God is revealed in his word? If not, it must be taught to obey Jesus Christ. Is it true? Okay, after we put it through that one, is it honorable? Does it produce honor to me, to God, to the other person involved in that thought? Does it produce honor? Is it right? Is it in accordance with what is good? Listen, if we would put our thoughts, is it in accordance with what is good? All of this would always lead you back to him. Why? Because James chapter 1 says that every good thing comes from him. So if we were truly putting our thoughts through the evaluation that the rubric of God's word gives us, every thought would lead us back to him. And not because I'm walking around speaking in tongues or mindlessly rehearsing the Hail Mary or, or the Lord's Prayer or robotically quoting scripture. No, because every good thing comes from him. You would see him everywhere. Everywhere. You would see him with a new baby, 
where your heart is so full, you, you didn't even think you were capable of loving someone that much. You would see him in the sunrise and the sunset. You would see him at the ballpark when your kid makes an amazing play and runs back to the dugout so excited. Why? Because who do you think gave him those gifts? You'd see him at the gym when the lady next to you is talking about her miracle grandbaby that they said she would never have because of all the chemo that her daughter-in-law went through. You'd see him in the text from a friend that tells you exactly what you needed to hear. You'd see him everywhere. You'd see him in the seven loads of laundry that your husband did this week for no reason other than to love you, to serve you. Did he want to? No. I see God's goodness everywhere. You want to know why? Because I'm obsessed with him. I was telling the first service, man, worship this morning just hit me. We were singing, I love another in the fire. I love that song. I love knowing that Jesus is near. But can I just be so real with you? I have been on the struggle bus lately with the world. My heart is just so sad, whether it's my kids coming home, talking about the stuff that's going on, or their friends, or, or broken families, or even the stuff that I'm walking some of you through. My heart is so sad, and I'm just like, God, it's so much. You need to come back. <laughs> but then we were singing that line. I can see the light in the darkness and the darkness bows to him, church. I'm obsessed with him. All I have to do is focus on the light and the darkness must bow. It's not just true for me, it's true for all of us. That's how we get through. We fix our eyes, we meditate upon the light and the goodness that is our God. And then the darkness bows. Keep redirecting, keep taking your thoughts back to meditating on the goodness of our God. Listen, if you wait till Sunday morning to think about him, you're shortchanging yourself because you're missing out on six days of his goodness, six full nonstop days of the goodness of your God. I don't know how you make it through if he doesn't enter your thoughts until Sunday. Church, he's the lover of my soul. He makes me whole, fully reintegrated. He satisfies me in a way that nothing and no one else can. He steadies me when the world is losing its mind and he calms me when I'm losing mine. I've tried it my way. I've tried it the world's way. Nothing else compares. Luis, you can come back to the piano. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 19 that the instructions of the Lord are perfect reviving the soul. Do you know what it means to revive? It means to bring life. Do you feel dead? Do you feel like you're drowning? Because the instructions of the Lord are perfect. They revive the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. You can trust his word. They make wise the simple. His instructions are the standard that I have chosen to manage my soul in accordance with. Let me say that again. His instructions are the standard that I have chosen to manage my soul in accordance with. Are they yours? He paid for our ability, my ability and your ability to make that choice. And we all have to choose. But I need you to know that when you choose him, it means you're giving up your own ways. You're giving up your own way of thinking. You're right. Oh, we love our rights. 
We love our rights. I have a right to, listen, when you choose him as your standard, you relinquish all of those rights. Your own way of thinking, your own way of feeling. Oh, we get so justified in our feelings. Well, I have every right to be mad at you. Sure, you do. You wanna know who else knew that? Jesus, when he gave up his life on the cross. He didn't just pay for your sins. He paid for the sins that you're right to feel mad about. So we give up all of that when we choose him as our standard. All of you must choose all of him every moment of every day with every thought that is taken captive and taught to obey him. And can I just tell you, his instructions are perfect. They revive your soul. They bring life. It's worth it. Nothing else compares. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew 16, and I'm closing with this. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you have to come to church seven days a week. Oh no, wait, that's not what it says. You have to tithe. Oh no, that's not what it says. You have to serve. No, what did, it, what did he say? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life and that relationship and those habits and those rights, those feelings, you're so right. You're right. What does it matter? Because if you try to hang on to that, you're gonna lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit? What do you benefit? These things you're willing to die for, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come, this is a promise, church, the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. That's a promise. If he is the standard that you have chosen to manage your soul in accordance with, to live your life according to on that day, when he comes to judge all of mankind, you'll have nothing to worry about. And that day is promised, but tomorrow is not. So choose wisely. Choose your standard wisely. Stand with me this morning, church. I'm gonna end this morning the same way that I ended last week, by asking you a simple question. What does the current condition, the current health, the current state of your soul say about how well you're managing? Say about your wholeness. Are you afraid to slow down long enough to think or feel? Are you constantly overwhelmed with your feelings? Do you push everything down or do you know how to process through? Are there some unhealthy patterns in your life that need to be taught to obey Jesus? What are you meditating on? Is it that offense? Is it that right? Come on, we do this, guys. Don't get all religious on me. What are you meditating on? Is it gossip? Is it slander? Is it all your trash talk about somebody that made you mad? What are you meditating on? What are you fixing your thoughts on? 
Are they true and right? Do they bring honor? What you're watching on your phone, does it bring honor? Have you chosen a standard for your life? How's that working out for you? I love you. I love you so much. And everything that we do, I've said this already three times probably, is to equip you to go out there and make the darkness bow to the light that lives in you. So if you need help in these areas, come out this week. Emotional intelligence, sign up Wednesday night. Boot camp, listen, we're all gonna look like a bunch of idiot fish out of water. It's fine, it's seven in the morning, nobody cares, nobody's even gonna be that awake. Come out, sign up for these things, register for them. Allow the Lord to reintegrate you, participate in that process. But this morning, listen, if you're here for the first time, maybe you've been here, I had a guy that came, he was here six weeks, but this morning he gave his heart to Jesus in the first service. I know, it's what it's about, right? But maybe you've been coming and you haven't made that choice. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I've been coming, but he's clearly not the standard for my life because I'm still doing it my way. And you wanna choose Jesus Christ to be the standard for your life, his word, his living and active word, to be the standard that you live your life in accordance with. I wanna pray with you this morning. If you're watching us online, I wanna pray with you this morning. No matter when you're watching this, there's no expiration date on the word of God. So I just want every head bowed and every eye closed in this morning. This is between you and Jesus. Where are you living today? Is your soul in pure and total chaos and devastation? Do you need to choose Jesus to be the standard for your life? You are a sinner in need of a savior. Can I pray with you this morning? If that's you this morning and you wanna choose Jesus, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, all over the place. Any more, put your hand up, put it right back down, any more. If you're joining us online, listen, just pray this prayer, pray it from your heart, mean it, and know that the God of heaven hears you. Church, just repeat after me this morning. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. This morning, I choose you to save my soul, to redeem my life from all of my sins come into my life as the standard. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me, renew me with your word and equip me with your Holy Spirit to live the life you've created me to live. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you this morning, church. God, I thank you. I thank you for every heart, every hand that was represented today. I thank you that you never give up on us. Father, I pray a fresh infilling of your spirit to lead us and equip us to recognize those patterns that are bringing death, to recognize those areas where we're not meditating upon you, where our thoughts do not honor you. God, and I just pray that you would equip us to walk it out, Lord, that every day we're looking more and more like you so that the darkness around us must bow to the light within us. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, just shout amen. Amen. I love you guys. I love you. I love you. Sign up for Emotional Intelligence. We'll see you guys this week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. 
And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.